who's the real Miss Cleo. The web of stories, it seems, is far and wide. Cleo may have been a character to cope with whatever was going on in her life, but it was still very real for her. That's the enigma of this woman. Was it performative? Yes. Was she actually trying to help people? Yes, again. They wanted me to create a character. I'm not a character, I'm a real person. Don't be fooled by thinking what you know is the whole story. I, I don't, I won't. I'll watch this documentary. Welcome to Cord Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want, entering its 10th year. I'm Tom Merritt. Oh, oh, ow, ow, ow. The time knife is stuck in my chest. I'm Brian Brushwood. <laughs> but more importantly, Bryce, I, I think I started this movie, but then fell asleep. Uh, it was one of my going to bed watches. It was like a, a luxury watch. Uh, I really enjoyed the first half of it. Tell us about it. Yeah. So that was the trailer for HBO Max's document or yeah, HBO Max's documentary, Call Me Miss Cleo. Uh, it examines the life of the famous late night tarot card reader, Miss Cleo, and talks about the uh, the the prayer network that you would call into and some of that stuff uh, that is streaming now on HBO Max. It came out over December. Thank you to Anthony M who sent this in. So you watched a little bit of this. Yeah, I, I watched enough to know that that um, uh, they they did that thing in documentaries where you kind of read the tea leaves by the fact that she's not in the documentary. They just go to an interview five years ago that sure. they used. So, so, so it leads me to wonder. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't know that for sure, but I was like, Oh, she must not be with us. I, I feel like that's, if it's in the first line of your Wikipedia, I think you can. <laughs> well, okay. Again, I, I mean, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, Miss, Miss Cleo, very, very, uh, of its time reference like that that dates you when you make a miss cleo reference if if people get it right uh, like yeah as, as a matter of fact i i just barely caught it before i stopped watching tv and went on the road somebody mm. i had one segment where i asked if somebody believes in esp and he said i believe in cleo and i was like what's that and it wasn't until after the show that i was like oh he's talking about miss cleo i get it miss cleo yeah well it's one of those things where like i think i saw the ads sure but i never watched any of the actual content yet we all knew about miss cleo kind of like now. People talk about Uncle Milty or I don't know, yeah, from, from previous ages. Wait, All right, let's wait, get to the primary target. Who's Uncle Milty? Exactly. <laughs> Milton Burrell. Oh, got it. Uncle Milty. Uh, at CES, TCL was showing off a TV feature called Smart Screen. This is not something they are yet building into TVs. They were showing it off, uh, but it would work like Amazon X-Ray, except it could do anything on the TV, not just like with Amazon X-Ray, things through the Amazon service. Uh, TCL is making it in partnership with TV measurement firm Samba TV. When it launches, Smart Screen would identify what's on the TV screen. Not just look at the service, but look at like, oh, what image is showing on the TV? Because TCL makes TV, they can build it into the TV. Uh, and then would be able to tell you info and recommendations related to what's on your screen. Smart screen could identify which actors are in a scene, of course, uh, but also maybe what they're doing, the music that's playing, uh, landmarks that are being shown, uh, identify objects, maybe do a list of brands. You could do some kind of shopping integration. Uh, we don't know when you will get this. Uh, it is it is in development. They were just kind of showing off the concept. Which allows us to speculate wildly, Brian. Uh, my favorite thing to do, a uh, couple of things on this. Uh, first of all, 
it's one of those things where you realize it's it requires no technological breakthroughs. AI is good enough now that we have facial recognition, we can recognize places, uh, all of those things. It's just an engineering difficulty. And so... Yeah, it's a fine-tuning thing, right? The, yeah, yeah. The first thing that pops into my mind is I'm curious, before we get into the possibilities of this, from a practical standpoint, if your TCL... Do you bake this in as software that runs on the client side? Do you have an, impre an impressive processor that's actually watching along with you? Or do you do a cloud-based service so that you're able to have a server farm somewhere and all it's doing is getting a, a copy of the feed and running it on more efficient, upgradable uh, uh, hardware? Yeah, there's a there's a slider. I'm imagining a slider, and on one end is uh, marketing towards the privacy conscience, and the other is marketing towards people who want stuff to work well. Uh, and you could slide between them because if you do it on device, as they say, uh, in other words, you have it available just on the TV, it actually is going to work better if there's connectivity problems because it's on the device, right? But you will then either have to pay for a better processor. Even if you pay for a better processor, there's probably going to be some limitations on what it can do. Whereas if you do it cloud-based, you can continually update it, refine it, make it get better and better and better. Uh, but you're having to collect data off people's TVs and get people to be okay with that. That doesn't seem to be as big of a deal in practice as people like to say it is a big deal. Uh, people tend to let smart TVs collect all kinds of information about them. And... It does mean that if you don't have connectivity on your TV, uh, you it wouldn't work or at least wouldn't work as well. Right. Well, and on top of that, we have the ongoing problem that we've talked about before, which is people tend to upgrade their televisions in seven year cycles compared to their set top boxes, which is maybe a two to three year mm -hmm. cycle. And to be flash frozen, it's already bad enough that I resent in a five to 10 year old television that half second delay of, of the menu running slower. I can't imagine how frustrated I would be five years after this being introduced when there's a generational leap in AI technology and uh, I can't participate in the interconnectivity. Yeah, and I, I feel like if you're TCL, you want to collect data on people. Uh, it's, it's kind of what smart TV operating systems do. So you're going to use this as an incentive to get people to do a connectivity thing to 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 let some of that data go to them because you're going to say hey we just we want to give you a, a smarter selection uh the one thing i wonder is if this becomes a tcl advantage or if this is just the first of all tvs do it in fact, all platforms, Apple TV, Android TV, et cetera, should also do it. Will TCL doing it kind of break down any hesitations about that? And pretty soon, it's not that TCL has this. It's that, oh, yeah, that's a thing that they all do now. Well, and that's the double-edged sword is on the one hand, it's a lot of fun to see an actor that you kind of remember and then have somebody do the facial recognition and say, this is the actor from the thing, or to see a set that you kind of remember. For example, watching this week's Miami Vice, it's very clearly the same street that they walked down in a previous episode, but now there's going to be a robot that's going to be able to tell us this. these are all the times that they walked down the same street. Uh, but on the flip side, the machine is now watching you watch the things. And even if they don't tell you what those things are, let's say you don't subscribe to the service. If I'm that machine, I'm going to keep records of this person really seems more attracted to Coke branded products than Pepsi branded products, more attracted to nature shows than whatever. Um, that's that's going to be a, some dicey waters. And I wonder whether people are better off, whether business entities are better off 
exposing that that's what they're doing to create a superior viewing experience or just quietly paying attention. Uh, for example, on I, I, I've never paid attention on whether or not iOS has announced that it's looking at my photos, figuring out what's a good composition photo, who's in my family, what is a vacation based on geotagging, when I was at a concert and all that. I just know that it shows up with like, who wants to revisit five years ago, that time they went to Vegas. And I'm like, that's fun. Yeah. And, and a lot of that stuff is done on the device because Apple's very you know, marketing itself as privacy protecting. So they, they want to do it that way. Uh, and if you could do that kind of stuff really well on device with a phone, arguably you could do pretty good stuff on device with the TV. I wouldn't, I, I would expect to see multiple versions of this where TCL does one that works great. It's cloud-based. Uh, and, uh, a lot of folks start poking holes in it. Like, yeah, but look at all the data they're collecting about you because that's just how tech journalism works these days. Uh, and then somebody else come out and say, we're going to do the same thing, but we're going to do it on device. That is something set top box makers could take advantage of because they are a little more replaceable and they tend to have a little more processing power than the television does. Not as much as they used to, but I absolutely could see Apple saying, oh yeah, we're going to do lots of on-device smart stuff. I could see Google leveraging their, uh, their AI smarts as well on Android TV and Google TV and then trying to say, and we're not, you know, collecting any data. Uh, anything that does go in the cloud is under this, you know, heavy terms of service, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I, I think you, you nailed it. At the first thing you said is like, this doesn't require a breakthrough. It's all in the application, and I, I can't imagine TCL will be the last one to, to be talking about this. Uh, as you were mentioning the difference between set top boxes and the TV built in. Uh, have we ever seen a television that ships like with a Roku experience, but an upgradable box, like essentially presenting mm -hmm. it as though it's built into the TV, but having a path to upgrade down the road? Right. Yeah. N nobody's ever tried to tried to spin it that way. It's it's usually like this is the TV and everything's built in and it's simple and you don't have to think about it. Or it's this is the TV and we know you're going to buy a Roku stick or a Chromecast or, or, or something else. And that's cool. You you know what you're doing. I, I haven't. I mean, I, I, I have a little tickle at the back of my mind that somebody's packaged them together, but not really as a upgradable TV. Kind and, of and you don't really, that's a bundle you don't really see. I mean, you would think you would see buy our TV and we'll throw in an Apple or a Roku or whatever, but we yeah, don't, yeah. you don't even see that in, in the marketplace. No, because the TV makers all want you to use their operating system. So they don't want to bundle with anything. Yeah. Right. But that's essentially what you're describing, Brian, is here's a screen, here's the chip that goes into it. Right. Well, and, and even if it's a fantasy, even if what it actually is, is a screen with a, uh, basically a duct tape Roku on the back or whatever, at least sell me the fantasy that everything's built into the TV, but give me the path to an upgrade. Um, yeah, I could see somebody trying to do something like Roku could try to do that with a, with the Roku stick. Yeah. What, what are some of the wild things that might become possible with this? And, and of course, I was just about to ask you the same, same thing, like, cause I know you're a big fan of X-Ray on Amazon. Uh, and if that was unleashed and suddenly you could do that kind of stuff anywhere on any service you're watching, uh, and it was beyond what you can do with Amazon's X-Ray right now, what would you want it to do? Uh, I, I would love, first of all, uh, I would love it to know everything and no cross connections to things. Um, for example, let's say within the Amazon ecosystem, 
In that case, it only knows things that it knows that I've watched. But in the case of when I see a that guy or whatever, uh, for example, in world news recently, uh, uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, it came out that facial recognition has identified that every time he appears in front of a uh, a, 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 a group of people, it's always the same people. They're just wearing outfits dressed as doctors or as soldiers or as first uh, responders uh -huh. or whatever. Uh, I would love- Very talented people. I, I would love that kind of experience built in. Like having having a, a forgive the cliche, a, a pot-smoking roommate who knows everything about movies at your beck and call at all times, where, where like you pause, you're like, that guy. And they're like, yep, you saw him in this, and then he did that thing, and now he's doing this other mm -hmm. thing. Would you want me to add this to your queue? You ought to. Or that location. Uh, I, I can see all kinds of, like, once you start this, why not map every location and then geotag it, and then also link to the site uh, so I could see their site where they market it to other Hollywood professionals or whatever, show me a map of the U.S. and reveal to me that every time I think we're in one place, we're actually seeing this cluster of, of ranches in Southern California or, or what have you. Um, identify plants for me. I, it, it, it goes like identify brands. Tell me, uh, let me know if I want to. Let me know which are the made-up Hollywood brands. For example, in when you're doing production, you can't just grab newspapers off the shelf because there's copyright entanglements with it. So instead, there's like five newspapers that show up in all the movies, and I mean the exact copies of the newspaper that you can see in famous scenes with the same layout of the same articles and all that stuff. I want all of that pointed out to me. Yeah, I I, I think. There is room for these kinds of services, obviously, if more than TCL does them, to differentiate on how good they are at curating when you like tap the button or however it is you bring up the info of them showing you things you didn't know to ask. I think that's important. That's how X-Ray works. You tap the button and it just brings up things it thinks you want to know. I also want to be able to just ask a question. I want to be able to just say who is that? What else has he been in? Or the, wait, that car in the background, what model car is that? What year is that from? And, and get like those quick answers as well. Or even dumb stuff. And unfortunately, there'll be a profit motive and a, and a gateway with the marketplace. But being able to see, I don't know, some weird thing and be like, I want to buy whatever that is. And then they tell you what it is. Yeah. And then they search eBay and they find there's no, there's no reason we can't do natural language, right? Like maybe it could be typing, although typing on a TV interface is, is pain. But I, I think voice is the best one where you could just say like, Ooh, I want, could I buy those shoes? And it's like, here you go. This is the place that sells them or no, they're out. They're no longer available, but I did a quick Etsy search and somebody's reselling them or Mercari or whatever. Right. Or, or yeah, you could just, that. you could press a button and just say, I want to cosplay as this guy. And then all of a sudden it's YouTube tutorials Here come up on pieces. how to sculpt yeah, the yeah. foam to make it look like the thing. Like you say, this is all doable. So, um, I think what we're saying is not good enough yet. TCL. Come on. Uh, well, well, I mean, uh, not in existence enough for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, I, I, I like this. I like this idea, and I think I wonder if this moves slowly because not enough people talk about wanting it, uh, or whether TCL does ship this, you know, and makes it makes it work well, and then and then it it pushes people along. I could see it going either way. Well, well, the only way they lose because there's there's two curves. There's an interest curve, which I think is a lagging indicator. First, people have to know that they want like 
most people, when a thing comes out, they don't understand why they would want it. A horseless carriage or a, a radio yeah, with Twitter. pictures, that kind of thing. Um, and then, but then there's also a development curve that is exponential. So right now we're in the middle of this kind of ex exponential curve of practical AI and the lagging indicator, you know, years behind are the bulk of humanity understanding, oh, this is a thing I could actually use chat GPT, which functionally has been available for quite a while, but now it's a single button that you press on the front of the page. And a lot of people are suddenly experiencing it for the first time. So uh, I, I, I suspect that that uh, the reason they're holding back is not for any technological stuff. It's it's purely marketing interest and figuring out end applications because it's not, you know, television, of course, is not just radio with pictures. It's its own medium and and so on. There is concern about accuracy, too, uh, which is why you hear Google uh, issuing a code red uh, that OpenAI is getting so good uh, and that Microsoft may be incorporating it into Bing because Google's been dragging its heels, worried that it will give incorrect information uh, because, hey, ChatGPT always gives a really convincing answer. It's not always right. Uh, so if you're TCL, you may be also like, I know this is 90% accurate, but I'm really worried about that 10%. Uh, and we we want to get it as close to 100% accurate as possible. So there may be some of that as well. well. And, and, and in that regard, TCL is in an advantageous position because it's not like if they screw it up, a patient is going to die. You know, it's like, sorry, we thought that was in Yellowstone. It's in the Redwoods, whatever. Yeah. You want to get it uh, good enough that when it's wrong, it's understandable or hardly noticeable, not... Uh, yeah, I tried that TCL smart screen and it was always, it was wrong one time out of 10. Like I couldn't rely it on anymore. Yeah. But again, what are the stakes? It's like, I was at a dinner party and I thought that guy was oh, sure. Billy D. Williams. There's, yeah. There's not humanitarian stakes in that case. It's more of like, you don't get any advantage out of all that work you put because people are like, yeah, not worth it. Well, it, and, it, and again, it that, that would be another case for hesitation. It's like, what is the unmet need that we're fulfilling? Yes, we can do this. Yes, it's novel. How many people, for example, I'm the only one of the three of us who really is obsessed with the x-ray feature and really enjoy yeah, right. it. And so it may be that the vast majority of people will never use this, in which case, just, why bother uh, to do yeah. it? Yeah, no, you're maybe right. Uh, well, the, that will leave you wanting something to do if you, if TCL just doesn't bother to do it. Uh, and I suggest you give us money. Yeah. You know what? I was bored the other day. I was like, if only some independent podcast wanted to stay loud, live and independent, something that was focused on movies and TV through the lens of somebody who wants to cut the cord and watch what they want, when they watch, wherever they want. I'm so bored. And then you I just threw my wallet in the river. Yeah. Yeah, and that river was called Patreon, uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash cordkillers, and it immediately took just the right of money out of uh, Brian's wallet uh, and supported an independent podcast. Didn't even have to be that much, and he got special episodes, after-talk secrets that regular podcast subscribers aren't going to get access to, uh, spoiler in time broken out into bite-sized chunks so you can listen to just the shows you want, uh, and all you have to do is metaphorically throw your wallet into the river of patreon.com slash cord killers. And the best part is you'll never even notice, dude. It's so little money. You'll never, ever notice, not in a million years, and it'll mean all the world to us. We're going to have a special after talk today. Oh, that's right. We're going to spoil Glass Onion for Brian, who has not seen Glass Onion yet. Uh, I'm very excited. Hey. <laughs> so, yeah. So listen. after talk. 
the metaphor, the, the other part about throwing a metaphorical wallet is you get to keep your wallet. <laughs> you throw it into an actual river, it gets wet and destroyed. So do this instead. Patreon. And it's less heavy because oh, man, I'm, walk, I'm <laughs> lugging this thing around thinking about three bills in there. I'm like, right, so right. Yes, there's no reason not to go to patreon.com slash cord killers right now. While you do that, we'll tell you how to watch. Roku announced it now has more than 70 million active accounts worldwide, up 10 million on the year. It also reported a 19% rise in streaming hours on the year. The Roku channel has been in its top five channels based on streaming hours and active accounts with streaming hours up 90% on the year. So on the Roku, where you have Netflix and Disney Plus, the Roku channel is in the top five. Now, Many TV makers use the Roku operating system. That's where they're getting a lot of this usage. That's where they're getting their active accounts. You buy a TCL, it's got Roku OS, you sign into Roku, boom, active account. Uh, but Roku announced it's going to start ship TVs this year under its own brand. So not TCL co-branded with Roku, not Hisense running Roku. These are just Roku TVs 11 models will be available in sizes ranging from 24 inches up to 75 inches. There will be two lines, the Roku Select TVs ship with the Roku Voice Remote and the Roku Plus TVs ship with the Voice Remote Pro. So really it's the same TV, it's just which remote you want to pay for. The Pro Remote is the one that lets you do hands-free. You don't have to press the button to do voice commands uh, and has a rechargeable battery instead of a replaceable battery. The 24-inch model will sell starting at $119. The 75-inch model starts at $999 arriving this spring. Now, Roku's not giving up its partnerships. Separately, they announced an OLED TV reference design to help their partners continue to build TVs that run the Roku OS. So if the partners want to do OLEDs, Roku OS is going to support that. Uh, and if you're wondering about Roku's partnership with TCL, I certainly was like, okay, who's making these for Roku? Uh, Google announced they are now at 150 million active devices running Android TV. By the way, that's a little more than twice uh, what Roku announced. Uh, that's combined Android and Google TV since Google TV is just running on Android TV. And interestingly, new TCL TVs have switched from Roku OS to Google TV going forward. Uh, so I guessing that means TCL isn't making the Roku TVs. I what? guess I could be wrong there. Uh, maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. Brian, what do you think? Well, what's funny is as you uh, were describing it, the first thing I thought was, I wonder if they pissed anyone off by doing this, because I do think it's a very savvy move. I think it was savvy for them to cozy up and make their console so, sm console so small it was invisible. It was integrated with the television. The uh, other side of that bargain comes now when... People like, you know, my parents and, and my kids, you know, the older generation, they just know the word Roku. They, they can't tell you what television they have. They, it's got Roku is what they'll say. And now, of course, Roku, in a world where television screens are a commodity, they're able to make their own. Uh, and I think Bryce had a good observation on this. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the screens themselves are the commodities. We've seen TV prices go down over the past decade yeah. or so. And so now you've got Roku in a really strong position where they have 
you know, a software with a lot of name recognition, software with a lot of uh, uh, with a lot of media connections between the Roku channel, between Roku add-ons, and 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 uh, if they've still got a video store, um, this is this is kind of a huge upset if these are <laughs> if these TVs don't catch on fire. Well, and so here here's the <laughs> yeah. question. I'm I'm going to assume that they're going to get them from the same OEMs as anyone else can. They can have them manufactured. Uh, they are a commodity. I think you're 100 percent right, Bryce. Uh, if you're Roku and you have $50 in the budget to spend and you have to decide you want to spend it on a better processor or a superior screen, I feel like it's pretty obvious I'm going to go for the better processor because even if the screen isn't so great, you'll want that Roku interface to be as snap, snap, snappy as possible. Or if you're used and to future-proofed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, $119, there, there were some Roku devices that sold at that price not that long ago. Uh, I think most of them are under 100 now, but uh, 24-inch TV I know is pretty small, but it's pretty compelling to say, like, you can buy this at $89.95 and add it to a TV you already have, or uh, you could just buy this TV. They're the same thing from the same maker. Well, uh, and- they're really not from the same maker. Obviously, somebody's making them for Roku, but Roku's providing the customer support for this. So, the, you know, they, they are, they're putting their name behind it. Well, and there's kind of two anchors, because in the case of thinking of Roku as an attachment to a television, yes, the anchor is $89, and then pretty much the television screen comes free. But the reverse is also true. By partnering with TCL, the anchor price for a Roku became $0. It just was the thing that came for free with the TCL television. And so um, it, it, I, I think this is, again, a, an astute move. Assuming the screens are good enough, uh, and, and I would imagine at the high end, you probably want to budget more for, you know, to get a proper, that, that, that 999 starting point is a, a hefty but reasonable price for a 75-inch 4K. 75 inches, yeah. yeah. I mean, 999 is not, not cheap, but then you look at the 75 inches and, and comparably, uh, it's pretty cheap. We'll, we'll, we'll see what these look like when TV reviewers get their hands on them. Uh, I'll be very curious to find out who's making them because that'll tell us a little bit about their quality. But but yeah, they they seem like they're they're priced to sell uh, and they probably will, I would guess. All right, let's talk about what to watch in under surveillance. At CES, Sony uh, showed some sneak peeks to the Gran Turismo movie uh, that'll be coming out August 11th. Uh, this is being directed by Neil Blumkamp. Uh, what did did you all happen to catch this? I did. Uh, I thought it was very astute marketing on this. Uh, it, I, I, Bryce, I'd love to get your take, but the stuff I noticed is they gave lip service to the story. They mentioned it's a true story. <laughs> That's all I really grasped. <laughs> Outside of that... 90% of everything was talking about the deep, rich bass, the unbelievable sound, the incredible cinematography, the partnership with the video game company, the experience of seeing it in the theater. Uh, and given the fact that, as we'll discuss later on, you know, Avatar 2 continues to do better and better because everybody knows that's a watch it in the theater, don't watch it at home experience. Uh, marketing this as an event, almost a theme park ride, I think is a very savvy thing for them to do. Yeah, I think they yeah. they even have one shot in this in this video that's they they've rigged it up to the car so it looks like the video game 
where it's actually like following it just right, kind of like they did in, in Homecoming. A, a couple of ago. incredible FPV drone shots as well. Yeah. I, I would love to know what, uh, I mean, I, I assume that's not AI run. I assume that's no. a human behind the yeah. behind the, the propellers of that. For drone stuff, yeah, it would be. Um, I, I'm excited about this. Yeah, there is a, it is actually a real story. There's a guy who was so good at Gran Turismo, they let him race a sports car and he did all right. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so. Oh, wait, so so a guy at home, it's, it's almost like a like it, a like a Wonka bar thing where it, it's like, uh, yeah, exactly. Because Gran Turismo, they just run their esports in the game, so you just play the game, and if you're good at it, whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, and so that really happened to a guy. Um, and so I think it's very smart of them to say it, it's going to look cool. It's going to be very exciting. <laughs> you're going to have a good time. Yeah, your your, your chest's going to thump. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, excited yeah. for it. It looks good. Yeah, and then you know Orlando Bloom's in it. Uh, Glass Onion became Netflix's third most watched film in terms of hours viewed over the title's first ten days following launch. Uh, during the December twenty sixth through January first viewing window, the sequel to Knives Out uh, raked in one hundred twenty seven million hours watched. And remember, it did play in theaters for a week back in November. So this is like the inverse, right? Well, so so part of the reason that the projections for Avatar two were all off was because they expected that normal first week, 40% drop-offs next week, and so on. And Avatar 2 bucked all of those and instead is yeah. a very, very strong plateau. Uh, whereas Glass Onion leaned into the reverse. It had all the glitz and glamour of a Hollywood release, and then suddenly, bloop, it's gone, and now it's on Netflix, and it's a huge... I think that was a win for Netflix as well. Yeah. Uh, I, there's so many things that are that are unique to the situation that you have to think about. Uh, you know, one is the, the weirdness of, of Ryan Johnson and the uh, kind of all-star cast pulling people in. The other is the brilliance of releasing it in theaters during Thanksgiving and on Netflix during Christmas. Uh, so a lot of people, myself included, ended up watching this on Netflix because it was on, because it was like, oh, yeah, I'm looking for something to do right now. Let's watch Glass Onion. Everybody's talking about it. Uh, so it, I don't know if they would get the same numbers in a normal week. Uh, they might. I'm, I'm just saying there's there's some unique factors here that that set it up for, for success that are worth paying attention to. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's I think it's a good illustration of the fact that there's no one path to success is that. But mm, but there mm -hmm. is a strong uh, impulse to, or very good reasons to not be trapped in the mushy middle. And I think what we're seeing is on the one hand, we're seeing Avatar 2 as an in-theater spectacle. We're seeing Glass Onion as a, hi, I'm here. I'll be on Netflix if you need me. Uh, I, I think both of those are winning strategies. Uh, the other thing that was released over the holidays was a trailer for Doctor Who, uh, showing Donna Noble and the 11th Doctor, uh, David Tennant's Doctor, uh, I, I am a fan of David Tennant's portrayal of Doctor Who, fan of Doctor Who. Uh, this pushed all the buttons of me uh, being excited to get nostalgic and watch him take another crack at it. Uh, and it feels like, <laughs> it feels a little to me uh, like Russell T. Davies, who's coming back to the franchise. He's the one uh, who had David Tennant as his doctor before he handed it over to Stephen Moffat. Uh, feels like he's doing a do-over. 
uh, I, I know story-wise, it's the doctor regenerated into a previous form. Let's find out why. That's a fun mystery. I can't wait to see how they explain it. Uh, but it also feels like Russell T. Davis saying, well, now that I'm taking things back over, I want to re, uh, re, regenerate David Tennant into my doctor, uh, not regenerate uh, from Christy Chibnall's uh, doctor. Uh, and he, he found a method to do that. It's kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, long on David Tennant in the trailer, short on the new Doctor. I look forward to hearing about it and then maybe watching it. Yeah, well, you get three episodes with David Tennant, then Nkudigatwa uh, shows up. But yeah, Nkudigatwa is in the trailer, so I feel like there's going to be a little peppering uh, of that going on, and I'm curious about that as well. Uh, finally, Hugh Jackman told People Magazine he has six months between the end of his run in The Music Man on Broadway until filming begins on Deadpool. He also told the Empire Film Podcast that Wolverine and Deadpool hate each other in the movie, or at least Wolverine hates Deadpool. Uh, I'm probably going to punch him in the head a lot, said Hugh Jackman. Deadpool 3 is scheduled to arrive next year, November 8th, 2024. Uh, yeah, I, I, the fact that he said, I go home and good news is I'm fit. I'm singing and dancing every single day. Uh, and then I get to spend all day with my family. And my job for six, month, six months is to get insanely Wolverine ripped. That's, that's so yeah. bonkers. Like, I've read articles where he talks about getting up at 4 a.m. to just do nothing but eat essentially raw eggs to get the protein. And uh, that dude is dedicated. And he was, he said, he was like, I was fit from doing the music, man. You have to run around a lot. It was just a different kind of fit than you need to be fit. It's not washboard abs fit. Which yeah, you have it's, to be it's to do bowling Wolverine. balls in your arms fit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, let's talk about what we had our eyes on. Uh, we had several weeks here. Uh, pick something that you watched that you want to mention, Brian. Oh, Tom, there's so many things. Uh, you know what? I, I've been getting ready for some of the new Disney Plus releases. Um, so I went back and I've been re-watching Hacking the System in anticipation of the fact that Hacking the System is coming to Disney Plus on January 25th on oh, Disney nice. Plus. Uh, and then also, yeah, I, I was just trying to get, you know, caught up on old things. So I went back and I watched Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan in anticipation of the fact that this Friday I'm flying to Lubbock and I'm going to watch Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan and then have a one-hour conversation on stage with William Shatner. If any of our audience is anywhere near Lubbock, please come to the show. <laughs> I thought happiness was Lubbock, Texas with Brian interviewing William Shatner. And I'm probably right. I cannot wait uh, to hear how this goes. That's amazing, man. Uh, yeah, I'm very intimidated, very excited. It, it'll be a lot of fun. Very, very cool. Uh, I finally started watching Wednesday, uh, the the show uh, based on the Adams Family uh, that's on Netflix. Um, three or four episodes in. I really enjoy it. Uh, my wife kind of enjoys it. Uh, and so we're not making as fast a progress because it's not one of those things where she's like, yeah, I'm not interested. You just go ahead and watch, but she's not as excited, uh, to watch it, uh, as, as, as I am it, it, a little bit. Um, whereas I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm quite charmed by it. Uh, and I get why everybody was all, all buzzing around it when it first premiered. I've seen uh, I've seen nothing but rave reviews for this and positive vibes. Uh, the whole conceit, though, of essentially a dark, patty, goth fifteen-year-old uh, and a uh, overly bright, cheery fifteen-year-old uh, splitting room. 
Bonnie doesn't want to watch it because it's too reminiscent of our actual 15-year-old who <laughs> is exploring a kind of gothy phase after a sunshine phase of when she was on Disney Plus's I Wonder, available now on Disney Plus. So so it's Wednesday, the two characters, the two main characters sharing a room in Wednesday are too much like the one character sharing a room in your house. Yes, who uh, uh, flip a coin, man. That's what you get that day, 15-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very funny. All right, Bryce, what should we be on the lookout for? Hey, it's that. Hey, it's that time of year again. <laughs> it's time for Awesome Games Done Quick. Uh, that started on Sunday, and it's going to wrap up this coming Sunday. Uh, this is the latest in the speed running marathon uh, that's been running for quite a long time here on uh, the internet. Uh, so AGDQ is supporting the Prevent Ca Cancer Foundation this time. They are streaming video games being played very rapidly all day, all night. Uh, for a week straight. Some of the games on the schedule that I'm really looking forward to include uh, what is a described as a no-mouse keyboard-only speedrun set in the MMO Final Fantasy XIV. I don't know how you're going to do that. Uh, some randomizers on uh, on Metroid 1 Plus 2 on the Wii. And what they're calling six players all vehicles no soap category in Power Wash Simulator, so that's going to be really interesting. Uh, they're pretty diligent about putting these up on YouTube as well, so uh, even if you're not watching live, they have a whole back catalog of, um, of previous streams and, and previous runs that they've done uh, in years past. Uh, Tom and or Brian, have either of you watched any of the Games Done Quick stuff? Uh, I, I, I have in these uh, long-form digestible, like why a particular speedrun was particularly good. And I'm, I'm loath to admit, Bryce, that it took me a year or so to really grok what's wonderful about this, this because it's not just a matter of being good and fast at a game, it's also the fact that I believe everything allows you to take advantage of bugs in the game as they're originally shipped, and so it's an exploration of weird kind of hacks. Is that right? It depends on the game. And that, the interesting thing is that each game's community decides what are the categories, right? So some of them say, hey, the bugs are actually really important that you do use them or you don't use them. Um, and I think that's really interesting that the folks who are doing the runs... I, I, I think I saw together. somebody finish the main quest in Fallout in like 26 minutes, the, yeah. a 40-hour-plus game. Yeah, it's very cool. So uh, check it out. Uh, they're at Games Done Quick pretty much everywhere. If you've got something we should be on the lookout for, please email it in to us, cordkillers at gmail.com. Speaking of email, uh, folks, uh, if you like to hear what's going on with me, and I know some of you do, uh, there's an easy way that we can just chat over email about it. I'll send you an email once a week, just updating you what I've been doing, what's happening uh, in my world, uh, both podcasting-wise and otherwise. It's freetomnewsletter.com. Just go check it out, freetomnewsletter.com. We just switched providers, so if you saw it before, it'll look a little different because uh, we used to be on a, a platform that was run by Twitter and Twitter shut that down. Uh, but it's still me. It's still me telling you uh, what's been going on and it'll it'll keep you up to date. So go check it out, freetomnewsletter.com. Man, Tom, I'm so glad that you mentioned you had a newsletter because when you were talking about how you wanted to communicate with people, I was this close to just giving out your phone number. And then I thought, how's he going to handle all the calls? Right, right. I, and that would be great if there was more of me, email's just so much easier, right? Yeah, but I, I don't know. How, uh, do they print those out and deliver them by Newsy? No, no, no. They just uh, they just come into my electronic mailbox. Whoa, an electronic mailbox? Don't you need a computing yeah. machine to do that? Oh, yeah. No, you, you really should have. I mean, you can do it on a phone. 
but if you, you know, if you want to do some more things than you can do on a phone, you probably want a computer for that. Yeah, well, luckily we have friends over at Doghouse Systems. Doghousesystems.com slash rogue, spell it right, R-O-G-U-E. Get some extra goodies when you order one of their high-end gaming PCs or a mid-tier or an affordable one. You'll get exceptional customer service and you'll be helping out the folks who help us. Let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. Game on, ladies and gentlemen. Google and the NFL uh, rudely waited until we recorded our last episode of the year to announce that YouTube will offer the NFL Sunday ticket subscription for out-of-market NFL games starting next season, 2023. Customers will be able to purchase Sunday ticket either as an add-on to YouTube TV uh, or a la carte through YouTube primetime channels. So if you don't want to pay for YouTube TV, but you do want an NFL Sunday ticket, you just add it to your YouTube account. You will need to get a YouTube account to do that. Wall Street Journal sources say YouTube is paying around $2 billion per season as part of a seven-year agreement. And YouTube TV's Neil Moen told The Verge that they're working on a multi-viewing option to be available on YouTube TV in time for football next season. And now when you say multi-viewing, you're talking about multiple games at the same time or, or the account being used to multiple places? No, multiple multiple screens, right? Yeah. So being able to show multiple games on the screen at once. I, I'm assuming it would, would might work for other channels as well, but specifically they want it ready so that if you want to watch three or four games, you can do that. And as we teased previously, Netflix is going to host its first live-streamed content on the platform on March 4th at 10 p.m. Eastern. You can watch Chris Rock, Selective Outrage. The show will be streamed from Baltimore and then be made available on demand on Netflix afterwards. Also at CES, Netflix's president of worldwide advertising, Jeremy Gorman, said that the company is pleased with the growth it's seeing in its advertising-supported tier, despite reports that it's underperforming. Gorman said, quote, you, sh- you could be able to see if I was a concerned human, I wear it on my face. Tom, is Gorman trying to convince us that he is that she is in fact human? I I, I, I don't know. I was struck by that. You you would be able to see if I was a concerned human. Uh, I, yeah, I assume she is. Is, is that literally um, what she said? Is she used the word that's human? Literally, that's the quote according to the deadline or to, to Variety. Uh, I'm gonna dig it back up just to make sure I didn't. Uh, copy you would it be wrong. able to see if I was a concerned human. I wear it on my face. <laughs> Speaking to Variety. Mainly, uh, I in, sit in other words, and she's saying, if I was concerned about Netflix's advertising, you would see it. Oh, got it. Uh, uh, okay, that's. Uh, <laughs> what did you? Oh, I, Boy, we can't. Uh, we cannot get into what he thought of it. It's well, no. It's just like uh, it's just like the classic magician mistake that every young magician makes is to announce that it's a perfectly ordinary deck of cards. It's like there's no faster way to telegraph that it's definitely not an ordinary deck. <laughs> As a normal human, I would be able to show my emotions on my face, but not, you know, not a robot. I am a human. So weird. Anyway, uh, Netflix is 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 not they're battling some bad press about the advertising supported tier. I honestly think it is a little overblown. It probably did under uh, deliver expectations, but not by that much. Uh, and and it's a new thing for Netflix. And I think they'll they'll they're they're probably not that worried about it, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, the bloodletting at HBO Max is over. Warner Brothers Discovery CFO Gunnar Weidenfels told Citibank's annual communications media and entertainment conference last week that the cost-cutting phase is over. 
the whole thing where they're like, yeah, we're going to move stuff off the platform because it costs residuals, blah, 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 uh, that they're not, they're done. They're done with that phase and they're looking forward to making new things in 2023. Yeah, that's a, that's a tricky business where you want to communicate to shareholders that you're going to be profitable, but you don't want to scare yep. off consumers of your product by saying, we're cutting out everything you love. <laughs> it's too expensive. Yeah. And it, it does appear, uh, at least the, the grumblings out there, that the things they cut from HBO Max are going to show up in a free ad-supported service. That they they were cutting them uh, not just as a cost-cutting measure, but as a way to juice content for a future service, which is going to come out sometime this year. And meanwhile, Plex said it will finally launch its video-on-demand store in Q2. Plex announced the store in 2020, and then things happened. <laughs> What happened in 2020? Part of that was the pandemic, but part of it was that making a store is harder than you thought because of DRM. But now it's back on track to let you rent movies on Plex in Q2, if not earlier. Yeah. If you're like, you know, Brian and Tom told me about Plex doing a movie store. Whatever happened to that? Well, this. This is what happened to that. Turns out there were like some bugs coming. in the bloodstream. <laughs> Yeah, of humanity. Uh, Netflix's Wednesday has been renewed for a second season. Not a surprise, as it was the second biggest English language season of television on Netflix, with more than 1.2 billion hours viewed in its first 28 days. Stephen Amell is returning as the Green Arrow one last time during the ninth and final season of The Flash on The CW. Sling TV launched user profiles, finally, uh, and rolled out more sports score support. Uh, so if you have the Sling app on Roku, Fire TV, and Android TV, those also now can show you sports scores. Netflix will not make any further seasons of 1899. So that cliffhanger ending is now just the ending. Uh, Mindy Kaling's animated Velma series has a debut date. It'll come to HBO Max January 12th. And Netflix released a trailer for season four of You. Uh, the first five episodes arrived February 9th, and the last five episodes of season four arrive March 9th. That is for Netflix's You. Bryce, where were you when you heard the news about 1899? Oh, I was at home. I was enjoying a nice warm cup of soda. I was under my blanket. I was snug as a rug. I was ready for the news. And I let it wash over me. I let it wash over me like a self-care rainbow and just just enjoying, just enjoying being vindicated. I'm very sorry. Three episodes ago, I recommended that show to our listenership, and I'm very, very sorry that I did that. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, I think we talked about on the show how I've never gone faster from indifference to being all in on Mindy Kaling's uh, uh, Velma. Like that trailer was spectacular. And if they preserve that voice through the show, I'm 100% in. Excellent. All right, let's get to the dispatches from the front. Bill near Athens, Georgia, uh, wrote in to let us know that Roku is showing him Spanish language apps for a streaming service called VIX. Uh, Bill is confused because he says, I don't speak Spanish. I took a few years of it in high school and one semester in college because a foreign language was required. I remember very little from those classes. I recently watched Narcos, currently about halfway through Narcos, Mexico. My wife thinks maybe that's why. Is there a way 
to let my Roku know that I'm not interested in Spanish language ads. Uh, this reminds me of the bit in the show, The Mind of the Married Man, when his TiVo thinks he's gay because he recorded Ellen and Will and Grace, so he starts to record overly masculine things to convince his TiVo he's not gay. However, I don't think this will help me at all because everything I watch is already in English, with the exception of the parts of shows and movies where characters are speaking in a different language, and I depend on the subtitles. He was thinking maybe I'd have some insight on this because we watch so much Korean stuff. Uh, have not found that I'm getting a lot of Korean language ads uh, because of what we're watching on TV. Well, and uh, the one thing I can do is is pass along a, a link to jasonpierce.com. We'll throw it in the show notes uh, as well. That shows you all the settings in Roku you can do to limit tracking, to reset the advertising identifier. That would be the one that might get rid of the, of the ads and, and start doing other things for you. Uh, you go to settings privacy and there's an advertising section in there that's where you can reset the advertising and uh, identifier there's also some privacy settings you might be able to play with but yeah i don't know it may it may not be you though bill it right. may be that vix is targeting everyone whether they're spanish language speaking or not just thinking like well i'm sure plenty of people out there are and let's let's not let's not target let's let's target you know let's just spread this ad as far and wide as possible well and on top of that it could be a uh, geographically distributed like for example sure, there, there are certain too. podcasts that i've never heard a spanish ad ever and then because i happen to be traveling or whatever i'm in an area yeah. where hispanic population is and all of a sudden there's spanish language commercials on there the only time I started to get Spanish language uh, ads regularly on my podcast was, oddly enough, uh, when I started using the Spanish language keyboard on my iPhone uh, because I was doing a Spanish language app. And oh, that's so I interesting. I enabled the Spanish language keyboard and then didn't disable it when I was using other sites, because it's almost exactly the same as the English language. It just has a couple of differences. And so when I was surfing websites... I would it it would tr it would notice that I had a Spanish language keyboard. It would probably add that to an identifier somewhere, and then I got grouped into something, and then that got added to a podcast targeting somewhere. Uh, but yeah, if you're not doing anything like that, Bill, my guess is Vix may not may just be not. It may not be you. It may, it may be the way the ads being placed. Uh, Tom, you probably know more about this than I do, but I was fascinated to peek into the rabbit hole. I didn't descend all the way into it, but uh, there's an awful lot that a browser gets to know about you. And each individual thing makes sense. For example, how big is their screen right now? Or what type of keyboard are they running? Or is it a mobile mm -hmm. app or a desktop app or whatever? But what version of the operating system are they on? Because people update at different times. Uh, yeah. What version of the browser or whatever? But the interesting thing is as you get enough of these vectors, because for example, you know, I use a VPN just for best practices, but a VPN doesn't matter very much when a website is able to do what they call fingerprinting and figure yep. out, you know, through let's say 17, 20, 50 vectors, then all of a sudden it's like, there's only three people in all of North America who use all of these things. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are some rules against fingerprinting. Apple uh, kind of forbids people from doing fingerprinting in their system uh, if they get caught. Uh, there's not too many defenses up against it, though there are some. There are some extensions you can add to your browser that will, you know, obfuscate or block uh, the, the signals that they use for fingerprinting. But yeah, 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 yeah. That, that is definitely a thing that advertisers do in order. Again, they're not trying to track you, Brian Brushwood. They're just trying to track people that have these characteristics. And so there's going to be an identifier in there that's lumped into these categories based on your fingerprint. Yeah.
Uh, Bill yeah. also followed up asking us if we would ever consider having Patrick Norton or Robert Heron on the show. If we say that's a great idea, we got a time machine and already did it and we should do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we've had Patrick on. Uh, we've had Robert on. They're both on Daily Tech News Show on Tuesday together. Uh, so don't miss that one, Bill. Uh, and when they're on, I'll be like, hey, y'all want to come on Court Killers? And we'll, we'll get that figured out. So yeah, great, great suggestion, Bill. Thank you for that. And uh, good to start off the new year, Brian. How's it feel? Oh, man, it feels like we hit the ground running so fast. This, this is one of our shorter episodes. It's tight, but that's okay. We got plenty to talk about in Spoiler in Time and After Talk, where we're going to spoil Glass Onion. It's going to be great. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We are live on twitch.tv slash night attack, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll talk to you next time. Hey, Tom Merritt, what's going yes. on? I'm just hanging out here watching this scroll go by. Uh, what are you doing? Trying to set up a bit where we thank our beautiful, beautiful patrons. All these wonderful names. I'm sorry. Names. I'm too distracted looking at these beautiful, beautiful patron names going by. Look at that one. I mean, if you wanted to be one of these people, patreon.com slash cordkillers would be the place to go. I mean, they're, yeah. scra they're, they're scratching our itch. Like, because we're I think addicted. as long as it's consensual, like, we're, we're addicted to their money. And love. Might as well face it. Well, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>